Chapter Ten of When a Man Marries by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On the stairs, I was roused by someone walking across the roof, the cracking of tin under feet, and a comfortable and companionable odor of tobacco. I moved a very little, and then I saw that it was a man. The height and erectness told me which man and just at that instant he saw me good lord he ejaculated and throwing his cigar away he came across quickly why mrs wilson what in the world are you doing here i thought they said that i was sulking again i finished disagreeably perhaps i am in fact i'm quite sure of it you are not he said severely you have been asleep in a february night in the open air with less clothing on than i wear in the tropics i had got up by this time refusing his help and because my feet were numb i sat down on the parapet for a moment oh i knew what i looked like one of those valley of the nile after a flood pictures there is one thing about you that is comforting i sniffed you said precisely the same thing to me at three o'clock this morning you never startle me by saying anything unexpected he took a step toward me and even in the dusk i could see that he was looking down at me oddly all my bravado faded away and there was a queerish ringing in my ears i would like to he said tensely i would like to this minute i'm a fool mrs wilson he finished miserably i ought to be drawn and quartered but when i see you like this i i get crazy if you say the word i'll i'll go down and he clenched his fist it was reprehensible of course he saw that in an instant for he shut his teeth over something that sounded very fierce and strode away from me to stand looking out over the river with his hands thrust into his pockets of course the thing i should have done was to ignore what he had said altogether but he was so uncomfortable so chastened that feline feminine whatever the instinct is i could not let him go i had been so wretched myself what is it you would like to say i called over to him he did not speak would you tell me that i am a silly child for pouting no reply he struck a match or would you preach a nice little sermon about people about women loving their husbands he grunted savagely under his breath be quite honest i pursued relentlessly say that we are a lot of barbarians say that because my because jimmy treats me outrageously oh he does anyone can see that and because i loathe him and anyone can tell that why don't you say you are shocked to the depths i was a little shocked myself by that time but i couldn't stop having started he came over to me, white-faced and towering, and he had the audacity to grip my arm and stand me on my feet, like a bad child, which I was, I dare say. "'Don't,' he said in a husky, very pained voice. "'You are only talking. You don't mean it. It isn't you. You know you care. Or else why are you crying up here? And don't do it again. Don't do it again, or I will—' you will what make a fool of myself as i have now he finished grimly 
and then he stalked away and left me there alone completely bewildered to find my way down in the dark i groped along holding to the rail for the staircase to the roof was very steep and i went slowly halfway down the stairs there was a tiny landing and i stopped i could have sworn i heard mr haberson's footsteps far below growing fainter i even smiled a little there in the dark although i had been rather profoundly shaken the next instant i knew i had been wrong some one was on the landing with me i could hear short sharp breathing and then i am not sure that i struggled in fact i don't believe i did i was too limp with amazement the creature to have laid in wait for me like that and he was brutally strong he caught me to him fiercely and held me there close and he kissed me not once or twice but half a dozen times long kisses that filled me with hot shame for him for myself that i had liked him the roughness of his coat bruised my cheek i loathed him and then someone came whistling along the hall below and he pushed me from him and stood listening breathing in long gasping breaths i ran when my shaky knees would hold me i ran i wanted to hide my hot face my disgust my disillusion i wanted to put my head in mother's lap and cry i wanted to die or be ill so i need never see him again perversely enough i did none of those things with my face still flaming with burning eyes and hands that shook i made a belated evening toilet and went slowly haughtily down the stairs my hands were like ice but i was consumed with rage oh i would show him that this was new york not ikiki that the roof was not his andean tableland everyone elaborately ignored my absence from dinner the dallas browns max and lolly were at bridge jim was alone in the den walking the floor and biting at an unlighted cigar betty had returned to aunt selina and was hysterical they said and flanagan was in deep dejection because i had missed my dinner betty is making no end of a row max said looking up from his game because the old lady upstairs insists on chloroform liniment betty says the smell makes her ill and she can inhale russian cigarettes and said enviously and gasoline fumes without turning a hair i call a revoke dal you trumped spades on the second round dal flung over three tricks with very bad grace and anne counted them with maddening deliberation game and rubber she said watch dal max he will cheat in the score if he can kit don't have another clam while i am in this house i have eaten so many lately my waist rises and falls with the tide you have a stunning color kit lolly said you are really quite superb who made that gown where have you been hiding duclin max whispered under cover of showing me the evening paper with a photograph of the house and a cross at the cellar window where we had tried to escape if one day in this house with you kit puts me in this condition what will a month do from beyond the curtain of a sort of alcove lighted with a red shaded lamp came a hum of conversation bella's cool even tones and a heavy masculine voice they were laughing i could feel my chin go up 
he was not even hiding his shame max i asked while the others clamored for him in the game has any one been up through the house since dinner any of the men he looked at me curiously only haverson he replied promptly jim has been eating his heart out in the den ever since dinner dal played the sonata appassionata backward on the pianola he wanted to put through one of anne's lingerie waists on a wager that it would play a tune i played craps with lolly and flanagan has been washing dishes why well that was conclusive anyhow i had had a faint hope that it might have been a joke although it bore all the evidences of sincerity certainly but it was past doubting now he had laid in wait for me at the landing and had kissed me me when he thought i was jimmy's wife oh i must have been very light very contemptible if that was what he thought of me i went into the library and got a book but it was impossible to read with jimmy lying on the couch giving vent to something between a sigh and a groan every few minutes about eleven the card stopped and bella said she would read palms she began with mr haberson because she declared he had a wonderful hand full of possibilities she said he should have been a great inventor or a playwright and that his attitude to women was one of homage respect almost reverence he had the courage to look at me and if a glance could have killed he would have withered away when jimmy proffered his hand she looked at it icily of course she could not refuse with mr haverson looking on rather negative she said coldly the lines are obscured by cushions of flesh no heart-line at all mentality small self-indulgent and irritability very marked jim held his palm up to the light and stared at it gad he said hardly safe for me to go around without gloves is it it was all well enough for jim to laugh but he was horribly hurt he stood around for a few minutes talking to anne but as soon as he could he slid away and went to bed he looked very badly the next morning as though he had not slept and his clothes quite hung on him he was actually thinner but that is ahead of the story max came to me while the others were sitting around drinking nightcaps and asked me in a low tone if he could see me in the den he wanted to ask me something dow overheard ask her here he said we all know what it is max go ahead and we'll coach you will you coach me i asked for mr haberson was listening the woman does not need it dow retorted and then because max looked angry enough really to propose to me right there i got up hastily and went into the den max followed and closing the door stood with his back against it contrary to the general belief kit he began i did not intend to ask you to marry me i breathed easier he took a couple of steps toward me and stood with his arms folded looking down at me i'm not at all sure in fact that i shall ever propose to you he went on unpleasantly you have already done it twice you are not going to take those back are you max i asked looking up at him but max was not to be cajoled he came close and stood with his hand on the back of my chair what happened on the roof tonight he demanded hoarsely i do not think it would interest you i retorted coloring in spite of myself 
not interest me i am shut in this blasted house i have to see the only woman i ever loved really loved he supplemented as he caught my eye pretend she is another man's wife then i sit back and watch her using every art all her beauty to make still another man love her a man who thinks she is a married woman if haberson were worth the trouble i would tell him the whole story aunt selina be obliterated i sat up suddenly if haberson were worth the trouble i repeated what did he mean had he seen i mean just this max said slowly there is only one unaccredited member of this household only one person save flanagan who was locked in the furnace room one person who was awake and around the house when anne's jewels went only one person in the house also who would have any motive for the theft motive i asked duly poverty max threw at me oh i mean comparative poverty of course who is this fellow anyhow dal knew him at school traveled with him through india on the strength of that he brings him here quarters him with decent people and wonders when they are systematically robbed you are unjust i said rising and facing him i do not like mr haberson i-i hate him if you want to know but as to his being a thief i think it is quite as likely that you took the necklace max threw his cigarette into the fire angrily so that is how it is he mocked if either of us is the thief it is i you do hate him don't you i left him there flushed with irritation and joined the others just as i had entered the room betty burst through the hall door like a cyclone and collapsed into a chair she's a mean cantankerous old woman she declared feeling for her handkerchief you can take care of your own aunt selina jim wilson i will never go near her again what did you do poison her dallas asked with interest G got camphor in her eyes snuffed betty you never heard such a noise i wouldn't be a trained nurse for anything in the world she-she called me a hussy you're not going to give her up are you betty jim asked imploringly but betty was and said so plainly anyhow she won't have me back she finished and she has sent for guess have mercy dal cried dropping to his knees oh fair ministering angel she has not sent for me no betty said maliciously she wants bella she's crazy about her End of chapter ten